What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for a special Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. I'm your host, Joe Orico. You guys can check me out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. And you can check out all of our fantasy baseball work at Ethos Fantasy BB. Got a lot of stuff in the works for 2024. Our draft guide should be out somewhere in the middle of February. So keep an eye out for that. We have a very fun guest on the show today. He's rejoining us. He's been here a few times, but we're going to be repeating something we did last year, which is a Cincinnati Reds preview. Mr. Jeff Erickson, you guys know him as one of the co-founders and the senior editor at Roto-Wire, and he's also a member of the Fantasy Sports Hall of Fame. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to have you back. It's a heck of a tradition we've got going on here, Joe. I'm excited to do it. How are you? I've been well. It's been a good time. You know, we're really, really, truly ramping up baseball now. We're getting into yep. the drafts. I'm in a couple of uh, draft champion slow drafts. I did a gladiator the other night. Uh, getting into the Earth Leagues now. We're getting it all ramped up, so it's a lot of fun uh, as we really move toward baseball. Football is kind of in the rear view in terms of fantasy. There's still some playoff stuff going on, of course, but uh, baseball is kind of front and center, and it's great to have you back here. I remember last year before I had you on, we kind of jokingly said, it wasn't going to be a terribly long preview. We didn't have high expectations of the Cincinnati Reds, and they surprised us last year um, quite a bit. They were really one of the most exciting teams in all of baseball to watch. And if you just look at this roster, it's jam-packed with fun and exciting talent. We're going to get into that in a second. Jeff, I do want to give you a chance, though, to just let everybody know what's going on at Rotowire. What should people be on the lookout for? So our draft kit is already out. We're constantly updating it. Uh, you know, projections are up, rankings are up, and we just uh, went uh, forward with our January uh, roundtable rankings, where myself, Todd Zola, Clay Link, and uh, Eric Halterman all put in our rankings, and we came up with a set of composite rankings. Uh, and that's live on the site. We're actually going to do a couple tweaks to it. Like I, I mistakenly omitted uh, Vaughn Grissom, for instance, there, but that that's been adjusted. Did Did I just- did I freeze? Yeah, I think you you froze up there for a second. We got you though. We got you. Here. Okay. So, I, 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 did I? Did you hear me with the? Uh, the, the last round I heard table was, uh, was Von Grissom was the last thing I heard you say. Yeah, we updated that, and that should be adjusted now on the site. That's awesome. Rotowire is one of my go-to's. The podcasts are coming at your feed all the time as well. You're going to be getting back behind the mic uh, for the baseball side of things. I'm assuming pretty soon as well, right? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. It's always great. Uh, Rotowire. I find that I like it a lot, the podcast feed, because it's always different voices coming at you. Yeah. You know, for people who listen to my show on a regular basis, you got to listen to the same schmuck every single day. <laughs> so at least if you're a subscriber to Rotowire, you get James Anderson, you get Jeff, you get Zinke, you get Zola, you get all kinds of great voices uh, coming at you with a lot of fantasy knowledge. Let's move into the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to be using roster resource as kind of a preview here or as kind of a guide. Um, we don't really know exactly what this team is going to look like. And in my own projections, I've tweeted this out a couple times, Jeff. I think that Cincinnati is probably the toughest team to figure out. They added uh, Jimer Candelario, which kind of made things a little bit trickier in terms of projecting playing time for that infield. Uh, it, it's a little bit tricky. What do you think of the team as currently constructed before we get into the individual pieces? Do you think there's still going to be major moves coming this offseason? I keep thinking there's another shoe to drop. Yeah, um, I was surprised by the Candelario trade. In so much that they didn't trade away Jonathan India. They didn't trade away any of their young players to try to improve their pitching, try to do something that was a package deal to try to get a, you know, a better starter. They've, they've added to their, their, their uh, rotation and their bullpen, um, the latest being Frankie Montes, uh, which I like taking a chance on him. But at the same time, I, I'm just, I, I kind of want to like, if signing Candelario means that Christian Encarnacion Strand can't play, then I'm, I'm not happy about it. Um, I, I, you know, things have a way of working out. You want to have depth. We always talk about that, that, oh, what happens if a player goes down? Well, you necessarily, that means someone has to sit every once in a while too. And Candelario is not going to be the guy that sits, at least for the most part there. I don't think India sits, but India's defense isn't great. Yeah. You know, you got the roster resource page up right now. They list in Jonathan India as a DH right now, at least uh, against right-handed pitching there. I, Encarnacion Strand might be a better hitter right now, Joe. Um, let alone in the future. Um, I, I can't countenance sitting him. I, I just can't. Noel V. Marte, he's hurt right now. Coming, he got hurt in winter ball, but he's going to be, he's coming on strong. He's going to have to find a place to play. Jake Fraley. I mean, my goodness, this is a guy, this guy is a righty killer and they've got him listed as a bench player right now. We'll see about that. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, it, it, they've got a lot of different parts that they need to find a way to make it all fit, which is why I thought that we'd see another trade. 
there's still a couple months potentially we do see something but there hasn't been much chatter at all on a jonathan india market yeah. as somebody who had a great rookie season and then he's had an injury plagued and also not a great skill wise uh, you know output in the last couple seasons i don't see there being too many teams that are that interested in him especially you I know agree. they're spotting him in as a dh here at 27 years old because well there's not really anywhere for him to play, and he doesn't play anywhere, especially second base, his primary position, particularly well. So I think that he's probably the odd man out, and maybe we're just kind of hoping from a fantasy point of view that he is. I, I really honestly don't know what to make of this team, and I'm trying to put down playing time projections. I keep tinkering with things and trying to make everything work, and it's hard to get the requisite at-bats to make things make sense. Christian Encarnacion Strand is the sixth most expensive Cincinnati Red based on early ADP, right. and like you said... He's currently, according to roster resource, out of a starting job at this point. It's it's kind of frustrating. Let's let's start breaking it down from the top though, and let's let's start at the top of the order with TJ Friedel. He's somebody that I've also heard there's playing time concerns about, and I guess it kind of does trickle down to everybody when there is uncertainty and there's a couple of extra players like Strand and like Fraley. You don't really know who is going to be the odd man out. Do you think there's a chance that TJ Friedel is potentially that odd man out? Do you think that it, let's say he does end up getting regular playing time? Will he be able to repeat the breakout kind of season we saw from him last year? What's what's your output on him at this point? So I, it's funny you ask about that because I just adjusted my uh, uh, projection for Friedel just last night because I was prepping for this actually, and I was like, okay, um, the bat of ball data doesn't match what he did. Like his X slug is way below what he actually slugged. His uh, his um exit average exit velocity max exit velocity all these things suggest that he was in and over his head but he plays in cincinnati in great american ballpark where you know you get rewarded for slightly hard contact sometimes uh and that that's something that's nice he was actually better against lefties than righties in some cases there or at least better against lefties than we expect not better against lefties let me take that back because he had a pretty big uh righty lefty split but um he slugged better against lefties than was expected. And I think that may be where he draws back a little bit, uh, but he can play center field. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I that will drive a little bit of this conversation is who else is going to play center field. We know Spencer steer for all of his good things that he does. He's not a center fielder. Um, you know, he, he, he's someone that was adequate in the, in, in the outfield to begin with there. They've been moving him around to begin with there. Um, will Benson, not really a center fielder. Uh, Jake Fraley, not really a center fielder. And you go down the list. I mean, one creative possibility is one of their, you know, panoply of middle infielders moves to center field, does the Robert Yount uh, career path. Do you really want to move Ellie out there? Do you want to mess around with that again? I mean, have we learned nothing from Nick Senzel? I mean, I, I think that's, that's one of the things there. I was like, got to get these guys playing and playing every day in the same spot. I want to see Marte at third. I want to see Ellie at short. I want to see McLean at second. Um, first base and Carnacion Strand. I want to see him there, uh, but Candelario is there now. So, and that, that's the thing. Um, he, he's the fly in the ointment, a good player, and you need added depth, but not at that expense. Yeah, I think what you're saying about the center field thing makes sense, and it makes me a little bit more certain of the playing time. He played 126 times in center last year, 23 times in left. They do like him at center, and if there's nobody there that can actually perform as well as Friedel, he scores as a, as a positive defender. I think that that does kind of assure him the playing time that we're hoping for 130, uh, mm -hmm. 140 games out of him. I think it's interesting what you mentioned uh, about potentially moving somebody to the outfield. We've seen a couple of teams do that recently. Jazz Chisholm's moved to the outfield. Sure. Fernando, Fernando Tatis with a hell of a lot of success. We saw his numbers soar through the roof uh, in terms of his defensive metrics in the outfield. That could be something I see them trying uh, in the long term, potentially. Um, what do you put that in terms of likelihood? Is that something that it would would it shock you at this point if they try Ellie in the outfield? Only because he's he's a good defender as it is. That yeah. that's that's the thing is like he he's a plus defensive infielder. Now at some point, if you look at their like in their depth chart, they've got more talent coming up the pipeline. Notably at third base, Cam Collier at some point is going to come up and he's going to push. And that's yet another infielder they have to kind of figure out how they're going to make it all fit. Um, you know that that's the good thing. Ed, Edwin Arroyo at shortstop is another guy that they could could make a push at some point in time. They still have a good farm system despite promoting all these guys in the, in the, in the past year, uh, but maybe not as loaded as it was going into last year. But I think one of the principal takeaways though, from last season, Joe, is that young talent arrives quicker than you, than you think sometimes uh, it knocks the opportunity knocks and you can push through that door. The organization has to let them see also Tampa Bay uh, as an ex counter example, but at the same time, 
and even then, if if the uh, if they're so good, they're going to have to. And I will, you know, I know I'm looking forward to your Tampa Bay episode because I think they just have so many guys coming out of the woodwork there. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's at some point, you know, there's going to be a push come to shove. I think injuries happen, trades still happen. I think you look at this rotation, and there's a lot of threes uh, in that rotation. If they want to get an ace someday, they're going to have to part with some of this young talent. I put it out recently, and I got a lot of pushback from a Reds fan base that if they could have their way, they might undo the Luis Castillo trade. And they'd take that start top of the rotation starter. They don't necessarily need Arroyo and Marte. They've kind of clogged things up. Would you, as a Reds fan, undo that if you could have Luis no, Castillo at the top? I love, I love Luis Castillo, but keep in mind, he's he's doing what he's doing in Seattle as opposed to Cincinnati. He was great in Cincinnati, don't get me wrong, but um, there's there's a just a big difference in pitching in those two ballparks. And I love Marte. Noelle Marte is a stud. He's going to have a big year if he can stay healthy. Um, he, he's one of the guys I want you to go get. Yeah, Marte, he looks like a lot of fun. His price isn't terribly expensive yet. Um, we'll, we'll get to him, but let's go on to the boy wonder, one of them anyway, Matt McClain, who came up and did incredible things. 16 homers, 14 steals, and a 290 average over essentially half a season. Mm-hmm. He's going in the fourth round, in the fifth round, a lot of drafts. Has he gotten too expensive for you? He's getting a little bit expensive for me. I'm still kind of interested, uh, but that price is certainly not cheap if you want in the Matt McLean business. Uh, I am in the Matt McLean business. My projection has McLean above Ellie uh, for what it's worth. Okay. Um, So, although it's funny, I'm in a slow draft right now and I'd passed on McLean, but I started with three hitters. And so I need, and I'm at, I I tweeted out that I used up all my uh, run good when it comes to KDS by getting the number one pick in uh, in an NFBC 50, which I'm in right now. And I started off Acuna, uh, Alonzo and another, and and then Semyon. So I needed two starters in the the four or five turn uh, because I knew it was going to dry up pretty quick. So even though I I love McLean there, needs come first. And I needed, I needed a stud there because I just know that the starting pitching kind of takes a bit of a dive after that. So when two starters in that four or five turn, normally I would have taken McLean at that spot. So what are you thinking from him? Or is it 30, 30 potential out of him? What, where, where exactly do you put him now? Um, I don't have him that high, but I'll tell you what, I, let me tell you, tell you my projection for him. Let's, uh, I have that handy real quick here. Um, I have McLean at, uh, I have him at 20, it's close. 24-27 is what I've got him at. Okay. I have him currently at 22 and 22. And I have him hitting 280 also. So uh, that that's also going to get some mileage as well. Yeah. Do you think the batting average is something that we can, I guess, you know, he did overperform maybe a little bit based on BABIP. He had a 385 BABIP. Where do you think that's going to end up? So, yeah, he the, the hard hit rate sort of supports the BABIP a little bit. That's one thing I try to make sure to see. You know, if you've got a low, like like Friedel, for instance, is a guy that doesn't have like a very hard hit rate. So you expect that, you know, expect some of the, like the Babbitt luck to kind of recede a little bit there. McLean hits the ball hard. Chase rate's really high. That is the scary part. There is a lot of chase, a lot of K's. Yeah. That is a concern. But he also gets a lot of walks too, which is nice, which means you're going to get on base a lot still. Get those stolen base opportunities. I I might I might be a little high on the batting average of 282, but uh, yeah, it's, it's in that neighborhood for me. I just think he's just pure a purely good hitter and sometimes they they're, they get better in year two yeah i could see it i got him at 270 but i could very easily see him going up to 280 he was 290 last year so it's not mm-hmm. it's not too much of a stretch for me uh spencer steer projected about third he's obviously an every man for fantasy he's eligible at first he's eligible at third he's eligible in the outfield which is great i think that'll keep him on the field as well they can kind of bounce him around he's not necessarily somebody we've talked about how crowded it is he doesn't need to have necessarily a spot where he's playing every single day. They can put him kind of everywhere. And he got into 156 games last year. I remember there was some concern that he would be the odd man out last season with all these call-ups when Smarte was up and, and the crews came up. People were worried about Steer, but they didn't need to. And production-wise, 23 and 15 with a 271 average. Projected about third in a great lineup, great ballpark. I'm, I'm pretty in on Spencer Steer. There's nothing really not to like from my perspective. Same. And I, I do think left field is his spot now. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of that transition came pretty close to complete last year. There's some injuries in the set late in the season that may have let him play some infield here and there. But with with those big the big prospects all up in major leaguers now, if Marte is ready for the start of the season, I think you're going to see Steer in the outfield and, and Candelario, too, obviously can play third. Um, so I think that pretty much cemented that he's left field is his spot now. And I think he's good enough to hold left field. Yeah. 
Do you think the speed is something that could regress? He had 15 steals last year. He's projected for eight from Steamer. I could see him not getting double digits again, which might be somewhere where he loses a bit of value. Is that something you you could see happening? Yeah, I can see. I, mean, I want to pull up his sprint speed numbers there a little bit there. It's always usually a pretty good indicator uh, of what, what's going to happen there going forward. But um, yeah, I, I'd say that uh, I, I, the opportunity is there, though. I, that the Reds are a team that does like to run quite a bit. Um, and that, that's one of the things, uh, 77th percentile in sprint speed for, uh, uh Spencer steer, uh, just on, on your basic number there. I mean, you go home to first there and maybe it's a little bit different, but that's a, that's a pretty good number. Um, so 28.4, uh, you know, feet per second there is not bad. I think I, I think, uh, I think he'll get somewhere in the low teens again. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd worried maybe it might regress. Steamer's a little bit worried, but that 77th percentile, that's actually a lot better than I was expecting for Steer. Yeah. I love the multi-eligibility. You can get him in the infield, the corners. You can put him in the outfield. You can put him Almost got him at second, too. It's close. Was it? Yeah. I mean, he played pretty much everywhere. He's one of those uh, mm -hmm. super utility fantasy types, and that really does come into play throughout the season. I think we kind of sometimes don't really value it as much as we maybe should at that point of a draft being able to plug mm -hmm. in, especially in the draft champions where you're just looking for somebody to plug in at first base for a given week or third, whatever. Um, he is so, so valuable. Let's talk about Jaime Candelario. They gave him some decent money. I'd forgotten, but it was 15 million per over three years. I wasn't happy. I don't think a lot of people in the fantasy world were terribly happy, but I think that money indicates that he is going to have regular playing time. He is going to be getting 130, 140 games. They didn't give him that money to be a veteran on the bench essentially so he will eat into that playing time in my opinion it's just a matter of is he going to be able to sustain what he did last year which was one of the better seasons we've had from him 22 homers eight steals and a 251 batting average what's your outlook right now for candelario it's a little below that but at the same time the ballpark again helps so it's going to mask some of the regression if you will um i like that the reds are spending i didn't like how they spent on yeah. that at least i think on the pitching yeah, and we'll get to those guys in a second, but um, they got what they could. They got what was who the peep, the players that would sign with them. Uh, they are never in the market for Yamamoto. They were never in the market for Otani. They're never in the market for Snell. I, at least I don't think they were. Um, and I don't think they should be for that matter. Uh, but I, I would like to see an ace still. I mean, who wouldn't like to see an ace? Maybe Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo take those steps up this year. And then, and then they have their homegrown ace, which is, hey, that's great if you can get that. But right now, um, you know, Candelario is kind of like, he's, he's the free agent that, you know, hey, I, they're, they're giving money, I'll take that money sort of type of guy. But at the same time, he's, is he, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm equivocating because I'm not quite sure. But I, I, I'm kind of, he's kind of mid. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I don't love it. I, I don't love it for a number of reasons for Strand because I was big on Strand, and I think mm -hmm. that will one way or the other eat into his playing time. Barring a tr as currently constructed, it's middle of January, things could change, but as currently constructed, that will naturally eat into some playing time. Do you think the Candelario will bat fourth as they're projecting? Does that seem right to you? Seems a little high, maybe. No, seems a little high to me too. But I mean, there's there's a lot of unknowns here still, like health of Marte. Uh, whether they want to push him higher in the lineup right away. What happens with Ellie this year? If he slumps as badly as he does in the second half, do they even consider sending him down? Um, and that that's a domino that shifts everything. Um, I think that, you know, the, the lineups are not exactly stable anyhow uh, under Bell. I mean, Bell is a guy that tinkers all the time, and I think that'll continue. Yeah. Um, assuming that Jonathan India is still there, is there any chance you think he gets back to that 2021 form? He hasn't been fully healthy since then, really. He's missed time in each of the last two years. Right. Um, in terms of like per game numbers this year, 17 and 14 over 120 games, it's actually not too bad. Do you think we could see him go back to like a 20 and 15 type of player where he's actually really an asset in that lineup, assuming that he does uh, start the season as a red? I mean, I think that's like his like 85th percentile projection, if you will. Um, so it's attainable for sure. Uh, I, I think health is an issue there. I, I, I'm curious to see how he handles if moving, being moved off second base, if that's really the case, if that's what happens. Uh, I think he should be. I think that's the big thing is his defense is very, is, is below average, both in terms of range and just steadiness too. Uh, and the, the Reds are coming up with infielders through uh, coming out their ears. So I think that is the big issue there. Um, if Ellie's playing well, then he's going to be the shortstop and McLean's going to be the second baseman. You got to leave it like that. Um, especially in year two for those guys. There's no more like 
you know, earning, you know, rookie earning your playing time sort of thing. If they're playing well, I mean, you know, it's, I, I think that India has really got to come out of the gate hot and stay healthy. You think that the majority of his playing time would come at DH then, or that he would be essentially the everyday DH? Is that would where where his bats are coming though? I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. Um, I think maybe a little first base and a roster resource list is list Candelario at first. I mean, Candelario could play second or third as well, and and will at times. Um, and that that's going to allow that's going to be some of the uh, the lever for getting Encarnacion Strand in there. Uh, but I, I think they're going to have to be pretty creative to try to get all these bats in the lineup. Good problem to have, but yeah. one, they own, also of their own creation too. Yeah. They can be flexible because of some of that real life multi-position flexibility. Mm-hmm. I would hope that they would start at least considering um, strand at the DH spot over India. I think that, like you said off the top, he is probably the better hitter at this point. Mm-hmm. You don't want to kind of squander that, not necessarily squander, but keep that young talent on the bench while you have a guy in India who's maybe not performing well eating up those at bats um i'm hoping i'm hoping for strand for sure but let's move on to ellie let's talk a little bit about ellie he is of course one of the going to be one of the more polarizing players in all of fantasy this year maybe the most because of the price uh second round fairly early second round and at times he's even dipped into the first round like you said uh he could potentially end up in triple a i think that would have to be like a terrible 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 start for him to end up in triple a that's the bottom end but the top end is a first round fantasy player are you drafting him do you think you have any interest in round two not in round two, and I I could be hating myself for that because players of his raw talent can just turn on a, a, a switch and get it. Uh, but we all saw the second half. We all saw the frustrations that go with that. Opposing pitchers all saw it, uh, and, and teams have figured out, you know, he, he's got a massive hole in his swing. We've also seen, though, in, over the course of his professional career where he adjusts at a level, you know, he struggles at a level, then adjusts and just tears it up after a while. Um, and that could happen too. It's not like he's just a big hacker up there. He does. He will take a walk. I think he just got a little confused at times. And this is part of the, the, the push and pull. I mean, he could be a top, his top, his upside's top five overall, but his downside is bottom, you know, after the 10th round. And so as a consequence, I usually don't take chances like that in the first two or three rounds, uh, that in FPC 50, I had a chance at the bite of the apple at the one, two, at the two, three turn and didn't take it. Um, and I, I feel okay with that. Uh, again, I'll have other chances and I also have them in keeper leagues too. So, yeah, I can't get behind it. I think there's just such a higher floor with guys who are going right around him and behind him with Lindor, yeah. with Semyon, with Albies, Agreed. With, so, with so many different names I could mention if you go out of position, or I mean, not even really out of position, Austin Riley and Raphael Devers, same position at third base eligibility because Ellie's a third and short guy. I can't get behind taking him over Austin Riley. And I might be kicking myself, like you said. Uh, the pro- projections are kind of low on stolen bases, 30 projected over 130 games. After he gave us 35 and 98, I think that 40 might be considered the floor, in my opinion. As long as he's healthy, I, I you know, giving you 120, 130 games, I think 40 is the minimum. You could also see easily 20-plus homers. It's really the batting average will be the only thing that holds him back from a fantasy point of view in those strikeouts. But he's going to be one of those players where I don't think I'll take him on any teams, but I'm going to really wish I had probably. And I'll caveat that with Yahoo and and CBS and all those other leagues haven't really opened up yet. So in the NFBC, people might be pushing him up there because there's the allure of the overall title, winning the draft champions overall or whatever the huge upside. The average Yahoo ESPN player might see that 235 average and see, okay, he didn't have a ton of power and he might be a third or fourth rounder in those platforms. And that's where you might be able to actually get in on him. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, I think I'm like with you, Semyon and Lindor over him. Uh, it's, it is a question where you draw the line it's, it's like, and I'm trying to find like players. And the thing is, there's not a lot of like players. I mean, he's yeah. a pretty unique guy, but say Altuve versus De La Cruz, where are you at? I would take Altuve. Yeah, so you're 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 like me though, and in that, in that case, you're probably not getting him. You may get because he's not going to last in the end of the fourth round. Say if you've got like that two three turn like I had, um, you might get him if you're sitting like at the back end of the third round. That's where you, you there'll be the, an odd league or two where you get him. And I'm I'm always thinking I'm talking twelve league twelve teamers here right now. Yeah. Um, in a fifteen teamer, I'm deaf. I, I I'm more inclined to take the chance in a twelve teamer. Because, I mean, the talent level around him is going to, you know, later in the draft, your replacement level is so much higher. If you miss, okay, it's not as damaging. It's still damaging. But 15-teamer, I don't know. I just, 
I'm not going to take that early stab. He's got to drop to like end of the third round. And some other of those safe safe harbors have been pulled away from me. Maybe as the uh, the the pitching inflation uh, comes around around main event time, mm-hmm. and more and more starting pitchers get snagged early, then maybe then I'll be uh, finding myself myself in a position to take him. Do you take him or Michael Harris on the Braves? Mm, I'd probably go Harris, but I could definitely understand going Dela Cruz. I have my reservations about Harris as well. I think he's going to be at sure. the bottom of the order, probably batting six through eight, that kind of range. And I think he'll be limited in terms of the counting stats. I don't know that the power is going to ever get beyond maybe 20 to 25. I, I could understand going Dela Cruz there. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. And Harris's ADP is what, in the 40s? Yeah, I, I don't have that in front of me, but yeah, it sounds something about right. like that. All right. End of the third round. But I mean, it just that shows. And keep in mind, the Reds are projecting, you know, right now the Reds are projected to bat him six. Do you take a six hitter in the top two rounds? Unless yeah, his I, name is Kyle Tucker and Dusty Baker is the manager. Um, no more. No more Dusty Baker. Kyle Tucker. Yeah. And McCormick and Diaz and all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually think Dusty did a good job with the Astros. And I think he's, oh, yeah. I think he's, you know, he was fairly maligned early in his managerial career and unfairly maligned later on. Yeah, I mean, we could say whatever we want, but he's got a ring on his finger because yep. of what he did there. Uh, he kind of rehabilitated the image in Houston, and that's what they needed. They needed a veteran presence to yep. come in there and settle down the boat because things looked uh, pretty rocky there for a while. Ellie De La Cruz, I, I love him. I think he's going to be one of the more exciting players, but there's also the potential that next year at this time, we're not even really that interested in him because he did get sent down because he batted 200. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And in the in the second round, to your point, in a 15-teamer, he's probably in the second round unless maybe you get him in the third. In a 12-teamer, you have you know probably the fact that you're getting him in the third round. You have high replacement level value on the waiver wire if it doesn't work out. It's, it's I think, a much better situation to take him the shallower the league you are in. If it's a 10-team league, I know a lot of people play 10-team leagues. Maybe you're getting him fourth, fifth round there potentially if you're just playing on Yahoo or ESPN. Take a chance. Take a chance on Ellie because the upside there... I think is really worth it. I think it might be worth it for Noel V. Marte as well. If you look at the projections, they're pretty damn, pretty damn good. 14 and 12 with a 270 batting average. They're projecting over 122 games. I, I'll I'll take that. And I think that that's maybe even on the lower end of things. And what, based on what you said earlier, it sounds like you're even higher on Marte. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I think he's a top 100 player for sure. Um, I, I, granted, health, I need to see him at the beginning of spring training. That's going to be like the the big thing there, but like I tried trading for him in a dynasty league this off season. And then they just weren't in, in the XFL that we do at first pitch Arizona. Right. His, his manager was having none of it. And I was like, you know, I, I was, I was, I was selling off good properties. Like I, I had, I sold off Juan Soto and Vlad Guerrero jr. This year as a retooling process could not get Noelve Marte from this, this manager's loving arms. Um, I think it was Brian Feldman that would just refuse to trade him to me. Um, Darn you, Brian. Good, good human being, but very evil, naughty, bad man for not trading me in the royalty <laughs> But yeah, so I, I just, I believe in the hit tool. I, I think it's just so legit. High batting average floor. You're getting speed. You're getting probably power. Of course, power is going to play up in that park. And I think everybody, you know, top five or top six in that order is going to benefit from you know, the, the talent that is around them. I think there's going to yep. be a lot of 80 to 100 RBI guys just jumping back to Ellie for a quick second, you seeing him in the six hole. Do you think that we do see him move up to one through three at some point, or do you think he's going to be more stuck in the lower half of the order? I mean, it just depends, really. I mean, if he, if he's crushing, you move him up. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. If Ellie is like the first month and a half version of Ellie, then there's no way Candelario bats ahead of him. Yeah. No way. But, but if you don't know, I mean, there's, but, there's a lot of buts and ifs. And I think. It, I think it'll take a month for that to kind of wash out. I mean, a hot spring probably won't even change it that much unless Candelaria looks absolutely lost, which I don't think is going to happen. So you see Ellie starting at the bottom regardless of what happens. You don't see opening day Ellie coming out in the leadoff spot potentially or number two in the order? I mean, there's a scenario where that happens, right? But yeah. um, I, I think it's more likely that I'd be betting on six, six or lower. Okay. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about Will Benson. I've seen a lot of projections that have him as a strong side platoon player. Even in that case, I think he could be interesting uh, in a deeper league. He was really excellent last season. I think he kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. But he batted 275, 19 steals, 11 homers. He had a 128 WRC+, which is excellent. 
I think that he's probably deserving of a full-time role. It's just a question for a lot of these players about playing time. Where do you think that's going to lie for Benson? Is he an everyday player in your eyes? It's more of the same. He's going to get he's going to get platoon because the Reds have so much depth. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be at the bottom of the order type of guy. One thing about the Reds is they're like like the Giants in that they'll do in-game platooning. They'll switch up really quick. You know, if if a lefty comes in the game, out goes their three. Like you know, they'll bring in the three right-handers. You know, if Benson doesn't start a game, he'll come into a game. So they're going to get those added little at bats here and there, and at, you know, stolen base opportunities, things of that nature. They're going to get that still. That's something that is nice. Um, so it, it's not, even though they platoon a lot, they're also aggressive enough to get, you know, a bat, an at bat or two a game. So is Benson worth starting in your mind in a five outfielder league? Is he worthy of a starting spot for you? Uh, it's close. Yeah. I've got him as, I've got him, I've got him as my, if you're playing in a 12 team mixed league, he is like right around replacement level. I've got him as like hitter 166. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that, with the, there's a lot of give in there, um, but you know I, I've got him like around the same range as Kelnick, Matos, Kirilov. Um, I like Kirilov by the way a lot. I yeah. might go higher, but uh, point is, I yeah he he's he deserves a spot, but there'll be weeks if they the Reds are facing three lefties, then eh, maybe I don't start him this week. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, let's talk a little Tyler Stevenson. I've been in on him every single year. It feels like, and <laughs> he hurt me this season bad, more worse than he ever has before. The batting average fell out from under him. We only saw 13 homers in 142 games. Bounce back potential, Jeff, or is he somebody we're staying away from? I think a little bit of bounce back is there. I mean, he's been hurt a lot in his career. The one thing you're not going, you're not going to get the DH slash first base at bats that we thought we were going to get. Um, that too many guys have been pushed up. We're already talking about the playing time crunch. He's yeah. pretty much only going to be a catcher in the future. Um, and it's good and bad. Just shows that the Reds lineup is stronger. Maybe every once in a while, when they you know platoon situations, they need to give somebody a day. Uh, he'll he'll maybe play first or DH. But you know, for the most part, you know, he's like any other catcher where he's not going to get those extra at bats. And uh, somebody who had forty three games as a DH last year, you got to think that's going to significantly eat into his playing time. Probably going to be hard to get back up to one hundred and forty two games played, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And if he's not able to get back up on a per game basis, if he's not a batting average asset, if he's not able to show even you know a little bit more power, even getting up to fifteen homers, I think uh, he needs to do a little bit more in my eyes to be able to actually get back to being a one catcher league relevant guy in two catcher formats sure it's tricky there to find anybody at the back end he's going to be relevant in your standard 15 team two catcher league right now he's not somebody i'm thinking is going to be worthy of rostering in your 12 teamers your 15 teamers if there's just one catcher yeah i'd agree with that i've got him like catcher 18 or 19 right now same range as like jonah heim uh you know in in that sort of ryan jeffers you know that sort of neighborhood yeah absolutely i agree Let's talk some starting pitching. Let's move on to Hunter right. Green. Hunter Green is somebody that I think could be one of the best pitchers in baseball, and it would be incredible if he was pitching in a better pitching environment in terms of the ballpark. But even still, he showed growth in his strikeouts last year in terms of K per nine, which I know not a lot of people like. Strikeout percentage was still roughly the same, but even then, you're looking at a 30-plus percent strikeout rate. You're looking at a Sierra of 374 um, yeah, good supporting metrics, despite the fact that on the surface it was a 482 ERA, he wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that he can really, really make big strides in year three and be somebody that does kind of develop as an ace type as much as he can, considering the ballpark environment around him. Homers are a bit of a struggle, but I'm still going to be investing in Hunter Green pretty heavily this year. Are you interested? I'm, I am. But I'm also cautious because of the ballpark and because of his fragility in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's missed enough time. I've only got him projected for 131 innings. So I, he can't be one of my top two starters. He just can't. Uh, which maybe that means I'm not going to get him. Uh, but I've got him more around like a SP4 for my team. He's going to pick 140 right now. Yeah, that, that might be achievable. It's not too bad. I drafted no. him in my DC the other day. I think he was my fourth SP off the board. There you go. A little more pitching, pitching heavy. I took, I think, eight starters in my first 14 picks or so. But I think given the strikeout upside, and I did need some strikeouts on that team. I had Logan Webb, and I, I needed somebody that was really a 30-plus percent strikeout guy. And I think Green, if he is able to work around the park a little bit, and we've seen pitchers have success in Cincinnati. It's not impossible. If anybody can do it, I think it's somebody 
with that upside talent level of Hunter Green. I think that he can be right. an absolute stud. If he's healthy, if he gets to 150, 160 innings, even if he does give you 130, I could see him uh, giving you a positive return on that investment if he's going to pick 140 or so. That's only the ninth round in a 15-team league, 10th sure. round kind of range. It's not cost prohibitive for me at that point. I'm, I'm still interested. Yeah, I, I, I could buy into that. Graham Ashcraft is somebody that's really interesting. I remember having a, a conversation with Eno last year with Eno Saris about how high his stuff numbers were, and Eno thought that he might be better suited in a relief role. But regardless, it looks like he is going to be a starter again. His numbers are not incredible. Um, they're a little bit concerning if you look at the supporting metrics, the fact that he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. Do you have any interest in Graham Ashcraft for fantasy this season? Uh, he, he's Same as before. If I'm getting him as like you know my SP7 or 8, sure. If I'm getting him there, but if I'm getting him like as I, you know, I don't think he's got the upside of like say where Kyle Bradish was going last year. You know, he and those two were kind of getting drafted in the same area, and Ashcraft just didn't make that next step up. There's a lot of buzz in spring training last year. Oh, he's starting to miss bats now, um, because that's always been the thing. He's always thrown hard, but he's yeah. never been able to put away hitters, and it just yeah got hurt a couple of times again last year. Just never took that step up. You know, he'd have these great games and then he'd have an utter disaster game in there too. And that was the thing that made it difficult. And the thing is, if you pitch to that much contact in that ballpark, that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not terribly interested. I don't think that there's a lot of upside for fantasy purposes. He might be able to be, like you said, your eighth starting pitcher, somebody that you're maybe starting if they're away from Cincinnati for a given week, if it's a good two-step. But I, I can't see myself getting in the Graham Ashcraft business, you know, more than maybe once or twice I'll take a chance in a deeper league. But I don't see there's being a lot of upside for fantasy there. Frankie Montes, one of the new guys in town. Um, I don't love it for Frankie Montes's fantasy value going to Cincinnati. You don't love it for any pitcher going to Cincinnati for fantasy purposes. Frankie right. Montes is somebody that was not healthy at all last year. It was one start. He's kind of been up and down. He's had a fairly solid career overall. I don't know if Cincinnati's the place to really be rejuvenating that, though. Do you have any interest in kind of trying to bounce back on Frankie Montes this year? Some, I mean, the reports about his health and, you know, in this at the signing were good, but you know, that that's always kind of, you got to take that with a metric ton of salt uh, just because everybody is saying the right things. Then uh, let, let's see, see it actually happen. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's such a long time since we've actually seen a fully functioning Montas. Cause even in 2022, you know, we saw for the first couple of months, he, he was looking good. And then, you know, as soon as he had that one tweak of the shoulder, it went downhill so quickly. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of like a couple of things like his home home. Cause he, you know, he, he went, had the extreme home ballpark in Oakland for a long time too. Yeah. Uh, and you look at the home and away and it was really bad in 2022 uh, trying to find like, you know, fly ball, you know, uh, you know he's a guy that I want to see, like, is he giving up a lot of fly balls? Is he going to be, you know, cause that's going to obviously get crushed in Cincinnati. If he does get, get the ball in the air a lot there too. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be investing. I know a lot of people listening are not 15-team NFBC players. You're just your stat, you know, standard 12-team leagues, 10-team leagues. Right. Cranky Montes may end up you know, striking gold, and you maybe uh, you pick him up midseason, but he's not somebody that should be on your drafting radar, I don't think. Um, Andrew Abbott is somebody that's really interesting. He was one of the hot new toys that came up in the fab process last year. He was one of the gifts of the week that we had. All throughout 2023, every week, it felt like there was Tanner Bybee, there was Gavin Williams, there was Ali Dela Cruz, Yuri Perez. And one of those weeks, can't remember which one now, was Andrew Abbott. And he was very same week good. that Ellie got called up. Abbott got called up too. Was Abbott, it the same week? Yep. He he started against the Brewers on a Monday and then Ellie got the call the next day. Um, and there's that little Dodger series that they had. It was it was pretty fun. Abbott was really good. He gave you a 387 ERA. He gave you a 26% strikeout rate. I think that he maybe outran his supporting numbers a little bit, but it was very good. Uh, the performance was very good. Do you think that he can maybe maintain a sub four ERA or are we looking at maybe some regression in year two from him? It already started at the last like month of the season there. Yeah. Um, he really limped down the stretch. Um, and I don't know if that was more just hitting the rookie wall, um, better scattering reports on him or just natural regression. I think a little bit of the, all of the above perhaps. Um, I think he can be a, he can be a league average starter. Uh, I think he, with it, you know, there's upside to do more, um, but he arrived quicker than most people expected, and he had a higher level of performance than most people expected. So it's not really a surprise that he regressed. ADP of 250, you got interest at that number? Sure. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think there's any I think problem. It's a fair number. Yeah. 
Uh, Nick Martinez is the fifth projected starter, and there's somebody that's kind of a notable omission here on the roster resource five projected starters. That's Nick Lodolo. Yeah. Um, Nick Martinez was signed. I'm expecting that he'll probably be a starter, but I don't expect Nick Lodolo to start the year in AAA. How do you think that the innings pit, or how do you think the starts are going to break out at the start of the season? Is it going to be a six man? Is somebody here going to be left out? I mean, I, I we got to see what happens health wise. I mean, Lodolo couldn't get healthy at the end of the year last year. I think if he if he's all firing on all cylinders, ready to go, then he's he's going to be in contention for one of those spots. I'm I'm really kind of curious actually to see how they handle that there. But would it, would it really surprise you if maybe like he got some rehab starts or things of that nature? Because he didn't even get to that really at the end of the season last year. So I I kind of tend to think that you know you need to see him. I, I'm looking at roster research with with them then too, and yeah. The funny thing is Lodolo is an option. Brandon Williamson's an option. Connor Phillips is another guy that people are kind of high on in some circles too. So they have uh, uh, options, pivots. They could go six man. They could go with Martinez being a bit of a swing man. That's what he's done in the past. So you could see that as a path too. I find it hard to envision Lodolo, assuming he's healthy, would not get a ch- you know a chance to start. Like I don't think that he's yeah. somebody who has to compete with Williamson. I think the talent level is is very high, and you could argue Lodolo is maybe the best pitcher on this team. Though is that is that a fair statement? You could argue he's better than Green. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Green because um, yeah. I think he's more polished. But Green's got the, the 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 raw elite stuff. But I mean Lodolo's stuff is pretty darn good too. He's got a lot of swing and miss also. Uh, but I mean just got hurt and there was a shoulder involved and that's never good. So that's the one thing that's, I can see why they list him as, as triple a for now. It's just, he's got to prove his health basically. Yeah. So is that going to stop you from hitting the draft button on him this year? Where's he going at right now? About the same range as Abbott Two forty-five is his ADP. I could see it. Um, I, I think he, he's the type of guy where, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could see myself going there. I mean, I, I, I'd have to have like five starters already for sure. Yeah. Um, he, he needs to be like a guy that is a streamer. It's a wild card. It's a dart throw, if you will, because there's just so much risk in terms of the health. There's just, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, he, he missed so much time last year that they have all these other options now that he's got to earn that spot. Yeah. Uh, I, if you're drafting a 12 team league, I know I, I do a lot of Yahoo based content, but you draft about 270 players in a standard Yahoo league. So that's kind of like the last round, the last two rounds, you could take a shot on the dolo. If he's up to start the year, maybe you get lucky and you get an mm-hmm. ace in the last round. If not, it, it doesn't really hurt you at all to be dropping him. But I think that's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of people, look, probably like myself, would look at that and be kind of startled that Lodolo is not there. Um, but maybe, like you said, he will take a little bit of time to come up, and that might keep the cost even farther down than it should. And if he's only missing you know, the first three weeks of the season and you get 28 starts out of him still, then maybe you're getting him at a couple-round discount because of that. I could right. see myself being pretty interested in Lodolo at that point. Now, in terms of the bullpen, I've read a couple concerning articles recently about Alexis Diaz. I've drafted him three times already through my four drafts this year, so that's not something I want to see. Mm-hmm. He didn't end the year particularly strong, but he still had a very solid year overall, Alexis Diaz. 67 innings, he gave you a 307 ERA, 37 saves, 30% strikeout rate. The big issue with him is the walks. Is there a chance that he loses his job to Pagan, to Pagan Emilio Pagan, who they brought in? I mean, it's Emilio Pagan. Ask any Twins fan if they want him closing, um, or Padres fan, or anybody else, a fan of wherever you know Braves for that matter. I've been burned on Emilio Pagan so many times in my life, Joe. It's it's so funny that he ends up on my Reds. Um, I I think there's I mean there's what there's always a chance that a reliever burns out, right? I mean they they burn bright, they burn fast. Uh, he did wear down a little bit towards the stretch. I think that was a kind of an ongoing storyline for the Reds is just how much their their bullpen, how much of a workload they sh- they shouldered, and how much that took a toll down the stretch when they didn't add. They added Sam Mole, and that's it. That's the list. That's all they added last year. Um, and Mole was fine, but they just needed. It. I wasn't mollified. I needed more. Um, I, I needed. And the thing is, they they asked that bullpen to do so much because their their rotation, first of all. Uh, they had they had trouble maintaining a solid five, but also they didn't go deep into games, whether by hook or by just not being young, not being that good. They just couldn't get deep into games. So then you're asking all these guys to come out, like you know Buck Farmer and Ian Jabot and all those guys. They 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 were worked to death. And in the case of Diaz, sometimes they'd try to get him to get five outs. They bring him in in the eighth inning and just couldn't get the five. I mean, it's just. Modern bullpen usage, you you bowl, you get one inning. You go max effort, and you get out of there. Yeah. 
Do you worry about having him as your number one reliever for your team this year? No, because I'm also I, I'm trying not to go early closer. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get two. I think there's like 15 to 18 closers that I like, and I'm trying to get two in that like 10 to 18 range. Okay. I've drafted him a couple times. I think I'm done now. I think I've I've got my shares now that I your exposure. Yeah. I forget who it was. I think it was maybe Scott White or somebody from CBS. I was reading something with my coffee this morning. I thought, oh my goodness. Uh that's not great having 75% shares. Only four drafts so far, but I think we're gonna pump the brakes on Alexis Diaz. Is there anybody else there potentially that you think could compete for some saves, barring, you know, if there is some injury or performance-based problems? I mean, maybe Lucas Sims. How many times do we have to bring his name up? But he actually was pretty good last year. Um, people don't realize that he he had kind of bounced back from all those injuries. Um, but you know what happened? Maybe Nick Martinez, if he, if he doesn't start, what, what if they decide to go put him in the bullpen? If Ladello gets that spot instead, then Nick Martinez is live as far as that goes. Any of the not uh, starting arms that don't start, maybe that's that's a possibility for them. Yeah, I could see it. I could see Nick Martinez potentially doing that. He's somebody who has a lot of work in the pen over the last few years. I don't know that he's somebody who is going to be able to maintain a whole starter's workload, so that could be something Mm -hmm. uh, that I do see happen. And Jeff, is there anybody we've missed on this roster or potentially maybe in AAA who you think could have some fantasy value, some impact in 2024? Well, let's talk about Encarnacion Strand. I think we talked mentioned it but we didn't really talk about his draft cost and that's uh, right we didn't really deeply get into it um but like i mentioned he's the sixth red off the board 143 is the adp and it's between a range of 105 and 185 mm-hmm. over the last month or so so it's not cheap to draft a guy who may or may not have a starting role i haven't clicked the draft button on him yet and i okay. think that uncertainty might lead me to not draft him this season. As much as I believe that he could be a 30 home run bat with 100 RBIs given the right playing time, I don't know that we're going to see it this year. Yeah, and I, I got to say, I'm surprised there's like zero love for Jake Fraley out there. Uh, yeah. He's got, I mean, last year he was trendy. Remember, he was the guy that, you know, power speed combo guy. Like, I think Paul Sporer was loving him last year. Yeah. I I don't think it's a done deal that Will Benson starts over him, for instance. I don't think it's a, you know, I think he's actually, you know, a threat to Friedel. He's a, a threat to steer. They, they're going to find ways to, for, for Fraley to get in there. He got hurt last year and he came back net less than 100%. I, I still think he can play, though. I think he's going to be a little bit of another guy, another mouth to feed. And it, I, I get why there's not much love because of all the, the at-bats concern, but I he, he right now he's like the 15th red drafted. I'm just I've, since January 1st, he's not getting taken at every single draft and he might end up being a 15, 15 guy. Yeah. If you could take one or the other right now, I'm not sure what the price is. Actually, let me just see. Well, it's quite a bit different, but okay. Given the cost, a strand or Fraley, you think a better investment right now? I mean, for the cost, it's Fraley because especially because he runs, but Right. I mean, everybody loves Strand, right? Everybody loves his ability, you know, his power. Um, he's not going to get you any stolen bases. I'll keep that in mind. If he has to fight for playing time, then that's a concern. And he's first base slash DH only. That's the only other problem. Right. Um, the upside, I think, is is so high in terms of the other four categories. I could see him giving you like Austin Riley type of numbers given the right situation. 35, mm-hmm. 100, and 100 with a 270 average. Dude, I'd love to dream on that. Oh. Yeah, uh, I think. And if you just even look at the projections, uh, you know, I I don't think you should mess with the rate stats in terms of homers per game or, or things of that nature. But in terms of the playing time, they only have them down for 99 games. If there is a trade, if there's an injury, whatever, things break right and Strand is able to get another 30 percent on this. They're already projecting 21 homers, 61 RBIs in a 271 average over just 99 games. He's, able he's to slugging 497. He's not going to play 99 games. He's going to play a lot more than that. I'll yeah. say that. Exactly. They're projecting an 826 OPS. That's not somebody you want on the bench, uh, a young 23-year-old. I mentioned this recently, too. That's one of the big fleece trades, I think, maybe in history of the Molly trade. I mean, it's looking like it at this point. It was Strand. Um, who else was in that trade? It was Strand, Steer. Steer, and then they ended up getting Will Benson through uh, another trade that they got somebody else, and then they quickly flipped him to Cleveland for Benson, I think. So it was essentially Will Benson as the third piece. Right. Will uh, Benson is the new Brandon Phillips, by the way. Cast off from the tribe, uh, <laughs> you know, for you know, basically for nothing. Uh, now the Guardians, excuse me. Um, and just, you know, I, I overlooked. You look at former Cleveland outfielders. They're almost like former uh, Cardinals outfielders in terms of, like, doing well elsewhere. 
yeah, they go somewhere else. And that's, you know, Richie Palacios is a, the newest example of that going to Tampa Bay, probably going to see an all-star season out of him this year. Uh, that's kind of been the way it's gone. Uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on, though. It's always fun getting to catch up with you, talk some Reds, our Reds, of course. Yes, uh, it's always, always a lot of fun uh, talking with you. But um, I want to give you a chance just once again to let everybody know uh, if they've missed it off the top or maybe they joined later on or they're flipping around the podcast. Whatever the case is, uh, remind everybody where you can find uh, your sure. work. Thanks. Uh, so rotowire.com slash pod. Get your free peek behind the paywall. Uh, no credit cards required. Just get a couple of days free. If you like it, we hope you subscribe. Uh, we're confident you will. So that's why we always offer the free trial. It's worked for us for so long. We've always done that. Uh, so go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, you can check out our projections, our rankings, our round table, uh, uh, just went back up there. Uh, Todd Zola has been cranking out the Z files every single week. Chris Crawford's doing a minor league organizational look. Uh, we we've got all Jason Collette's got his regular work. Ryan roof is closer rankings. You name it. We've got it. So check it out. Rotowire.com slash pod. Get yourself that free trial. Yeah, make sure you guys are checking out Rotowire. It's an absolute must-use tool in the fantasy world. If you're playing in leagues, you need to be using a subscription to Rotowire. It just kind of goes with the territory. And of course, check out the podcast. I'm a huge fan of the Rotowire podcast. And you can make sure that you can damn sure you're getting three, four, five great episodes a week over there. Uh, make sure you're checking us out over on Twitter. Jeff is at Jeff underscore Erickson. You can find me at Joe Rico99. You can check out all of our fantasy baseball work at Ethos Fantasy BB. We'll be back tomorrow with another team preview. It's Boston Red Sox time with Eric Cross from FTN Fantasy. But until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night. We will see you then. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.